Against the backdrop of the COVID-19 pandemic, the events of 2020 brought new challenges no one was prepared for, changing the way we live and how we work. Welcome to HRpreneur, a podcast by ADP. This is Jim Duffy. On today's episode, we'll reflect on the past year and how the world of work has changed. Let's start by looking back at March. Shortly after the World Health Organization officially classified COVID-19 as a pandemic, Meryl Gutterman, counsel for ADP's Small Business Services, joined us to talk about reducing the risk of exposure in the workplace. We're all dealing with the impact of COVID-19, and we've received a number of questions about the virus and its impact in the workplace. I think it goes without saying that people across the U.S. have concerns. So how can employers help temper the fears and reduce the risk of spreading COVID-19 in the workplace? Well, I think the best thing employers can do is to communicate measures that their company is taking to protect their employees and also to suggest ways employees can help reduce the possibility of exposure. What should employers be saying and what should they be doing to help reduce the risk of exposure? Well, first and most importantly, I think, is to abide by all directives that are being issued by the state, by local governments and agencies, and by public health authorities to work from home. And even if it's not mandatory, we're seeing that many companies are directing that their employees work from home unless it's essential that they enter the workplace. So if you do need to be at work, limit or prohibit visitors to the workplace, practice social distancing, which means staying at least six feet away from each other, and encourage your employees to avoid gathering in break rooms or in larger groups. And while productivity is a common concern that we're hearing many employers are facing, we are realizing that in this time of coronavirus, it's really making us rethink how we work. As our everyday lives and work environments rapidly changed in response to COVID-19, many of us experienced heightened stress and concern. In this next episode, Dr. Thomas McDonough, founder of Good Therapy SF, shared a few ways to manage these emotions. How should employers support employees who continue to work on site? Essential on-site workers are experiencing an incredible amount of stress right now. Aside from taking the necessary steps to make the workplace safe and contamination-free, support employees emotionally as much as possible. Show them you care. Really letting employees know that they are valued can help provide a greater meaning and purpose to their on-site work. So now, what about employees who are working from home? For people not used to this arrangement like me, it's likely some of us may feel a bit uncomfortable. We may feel distracted perhaps more easily or even feel less productive working here. What advice do you have for folks like us? You know, I've seen people want to take this time to be overly productive both professionally and personally, which only adds to the stress they're already experiencing related to the situation. There's always going to be the feeling that there's something else to do. But right now is the time to focus on yourself and regulating your emotions, getting routine sleep, exercise, and engage in life outside of work are going to help. If you feel like you can't turn off your anxious thoughts, try setting aside a scheduled time to think through your concerns for 20 minutes. Believe it or not, this has been found to help reduce our anxious thoughts. Whether working on the front lines or from home, Employees who are anxious about their future may be distracted, which can make them less productive. Up next, Dr. Susan Hanold, Vice President of ADP's Strategic Advisory Services, talks about how to keep employees motivated through tough times. 
So what about employees who are concerned about job security? Maybe they've been furloughed or their hours have been reduced. How can employers support these workers? Yeah, Jim, there's a, a lot of unanticipated change that's happening now, and it can be very stressful. And so whether an employee is furloughed or their hours have been reduced, they are still your employee and should be treated with care. Managers should reach out regularly to see how they are and provide any business updates to help keep them part of the company culture. This helps to provide connection and show the employee that you care. So for employees with jobs, employees want meaningful work and should be open to taking on new tasks as roles may shift. How can managers show employees like these, you know, for whom they care a great deal, about ways to support them? Yes, great question, Jim. So be thoughtful. Be very thoughtful about motivating your employees. Remember, the small things count. Small things can have a big impact. So I had a sales leader tell me this past week he sent handwritten notes, yes, handwritten notes to 100 of his employees. He believes the little unexpected things can be highly effective. And also, I would recommend checking in early and often. Relationships have always been important, and not surface relationships. Real relationships, genuine care and concern, empathy, willingness to take the time to invest in others. Now more than ever, we encourage everyone to check in with friends, family, neighbors, the world, and ask, how are you? Like, really, how are you? And take the time to listen. Like, really listen to the answers you get. These past few months, many experts have had growing concern about mental health. The impacts of a check-in, whether big or small, can be great, and at the risk of sounding cliche, could be life-changing. So stay in contact with friends and family and ask them the question, how are you doing? As state and federal agencies released frameworks and guidance for reopening the economy, Merrill joined us again to talk through how to safely bring employees back into the workplace. Beyond social distancing, how else can employers help ensure a safe reentry? Well, employers may want to have their employees return to work voluntarily at first, or at least have their employees return to work in waves, starting with the most critical workers first. Employers can also consider staggering their work schedules to allow for social distancing and a slower reentry to the workplace. I think then if you're going to restagger shifts, you're going to want to think about whether that's going to impact schedules, which could lead to a reduction of hours, and that could implicate salary changes as well. So, Meryl, what about screening employees before allowing them back into the workplace? Is that allowed? Yeah, it's important to think about protocols for safely having your employees return to work, and that's going to include screening for most workplaces for sure. So if you're planning on implementing screening practices, such as temperature checks, there's a lot of factors you need to consider, including making sure that your screenings are complying with all the regulations and guidance that's out there. Um, among other things, make sure that you're complying with all privacy laws. Make sure that you're treating any results of screenings as confidential medical records. Um, make sure that you're implementing your screenings consistently and non-discriminatory testing protocols are important to make sure that those are in play and make sure that you're ensuring the safety of your workers as well. And before you implement any screening protocol, make sure you're reviewing CDC and EEOC guidance and that you're consulting legal counsel as needed. Should employers require employees to wear masks? 
Well, a number of state and local jurisdictions have rules now that require individuals to wear face coverings in public and also in certain businesses, and it does seem like personal face coverings are going to be required in a lot of situations for a long time. I think also depending on the job and the circumstances, employers may be required to provide masks or other protective equipment in order to comply with federal and state occupational safety and health regulations. So employers need to be reviewing the applicable laws that apply to their business and implementing whatever they can to make sure they have the proper precautions in place to help protect their employees. With at least a partial reopen of the U.S. economy, Will Adams, General Manager of Small Business Services at Tarkenton Company, joined us to talk about how businesses can adapt to changing consumer behaviors. Are there behavior patterns employers as small business owners should be mindful of? Well, Jim, you know, based on the patterns of activity that, that we've seen in our business uh, during the restrictive, uh, you know, shelter-in-place order, uh, you know, consumers will likely fall into one of four categories as those restrictive orders are eased. Um, you know, first are the unfazed. These people don't feel directly impacted by the pandemic, and they're going to continue or resume the, the same patterns that they had before. Uh, second are the fearful. Now, the fearful are people who will continue following those self-imposed restrictive social distancing behaviors and guidelines. Uh, they're going to spend less on things that they view as non-essential while stockpiling things that are essential. Third are going to be the savers. Now, the savers are individuals or families who have been negatively impacted financially by the pandemic. And as a result, they're going to be spending less. And finally, there's the defectors. Now, these are people who've reassessed the value that they put on particular items or brands. They're going to plan to continue spending money, but are likely going to you know, place less importance on, on a brand, per se, and, and more on purpose and value. Interesting, Will. So how can a, a business adapt to these changes in behavior? Well, you know, in terms of the categories I just mentioned, you know, first, if consumers consider your business to be non-essential, you should really focus on meeting the expectations of the unfazed and the defectors. Now, especially with the defectors, you have an opportunity to win new customers by really emphasizing the value that your product or service provides. The, you know, they may have been with one of your competitors for a long time, but you know what? They're now open to other options in a way that they haven't been in the past and may not be later on either. You know, so consider offering maybe a free trial period, a money back guarantee, or even a new customer discount to attract, you know, those brand defectors. And when you do acquire a new customer, you know, you're going to need to have those processes in place to deliver a great customer experience. Now, for the fearful and the savers, they're cutting back on spending, especially on non-essential purchases. So your primary focus should be on the people, you know, who are still spending. But there are still opportunities to reach those more challenging groups too, like a focus on your health and safety initiatives and creating more budget-friendly you know, product or, or service options. And just when things were looking better, cases of COVID-19 surged across the U.S., forcing school districts to reconsider their reopening plans. In this next episode, Merrill talked about how employers can support working parents. So Merrill, among the states and local jurisdictions that require employers to provide paid sick leave, do any of them cover absences related to school closures? Uh, yes, many cover absences related to school closures that are ordered by health officials. And I would recommend employers check their state and local laws for details. And 
As I mentioned before, some jurisdictions have enacted new or expanded paid leave requirements in response to COVID-19. So in places like San Francisco, uh, Santa Rosa, San Jose, California, um, in Colorado, Michigan, New Jersey, Oregon, Philadelphia, just to name a few places, they have added or expanded protections for employees impacted by COVID-19, and they cover absences related to school closures. So apart from leave, how else can employers support workers? Well, employers have a few options to help parents meet their families' needs. Um, employers can consider offering employees flexibility when it comes to when they'll perform their work, um, offering flex time arrangements or work from home arrangements. Employees may be able to build their hours around their children's school or daycare schedules. Maybe the employee works early in the mornings and then takes an afternoon break to get their kids and then resumes work later in the evening. Looking back at the events of 2020, COVID-19 has created a host of new legislation, regulations, orders, and guidance, forcing employers to adapt quickly. To conclude our 2020 year in review, Merrill identifies a few areas of your employee handbook to review as a result of the pandemic. So should employers be modifying their sick leave policies to adapt to COVID-19? Well, it is likely that employers who already had a sick leave policy in place will need to review and update it if they find that they're in a jurisdiction that has either a state or a local sick leave law that may have been expanded to allow for protected leave that relates to COVID-19. And also the Federal Families First Coronavirus Response Act or the FFCRA also requires that covered employers provide up to 80 hours of protected leave for certain COVID-19 reasons. So employers may need to update their policies to account for the FFCRA leave as well. All right, before the pandemic, a growing number of jurisdictions were requiring employers to maintain a written policy and or conduct trainings on preventing harassment in the workplace. Should employers modify their harassment or discrimination policies, for example, to include examples of discrimination related to COVID-19? Right, we had been seeing a trend where more state and local jurisdictions were passing laws that mandated anti-harassment policies and trainings also in the workplace. And these laws are intended to help ensure that employers maintain a workplace that's free from discrimination based on protected characteristics like race and age, sex and religion, just to name a few. And now in light of COVID, we're also seeing some jurisdictions pass laws that prohibit employers from discriminating against individuals because they've either tested positive for COVID-19 or because they refuse to serve customers who aren't following safety protocols. Um, in fact, in New York, New York has issued guidance that states employees can file a complaint if they think that they've been discriminated against because of a perceived connection between their race or their national origin or their disability and the coronavirus. So to answer your question, employers may want to consider reviewing and updating their policies or disseminating other written information to employees that addresses discrimination that could relate to COVID-19. That concludes our 2020 year review. With that, on behalf of our HRpreneur team, I'd like to wish everyone a happy, healthy, and safe new year. Thanks to you all for listening to HRpreneur. Make sure to subscribe today and never miss a moment in 2021. Just search for ADP on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen. Thanks again for joining us and be well.